You're listening to the Forefront Church Podcast in New York City, where our vision is to see lives, neighborhoods, and our city renewed through Jesus. Forefront has what we all need and what we're all looking for. We have a place where we can go and be ourselves. It's just a place where you can feel included. Almost a year ago, I unexpectedly found found myself um, in the hospital and the Forefront community really surrounded me and helped me. Ben was there, Jen was there, Juby set up like a food train. It was amazing. You, you feel supported, not just in word, but in deed. I've never gone to a church where people are like coming over, like my mom said, to give you food when, when you're sick and stuff like that. And just like volunteering to do things for you when they don't even know you that well. It's just like extremely, extremely giving. If you want to feel human again, this is the church for you to come to. You get to know, you know, life as it really is. I would describe the community of Forefront as one of service. It just seems to be dedicated to helping people that are in need, not just in the congregation, but in the community as a whole. Forefront has saved our relationships, has helped us to learn how to communicate with each other and accept each other and forgive each other. I now have a place where my husband and my daughter and our whole family can come together and worship and be involved and be inspired and even come home and talk about it. Um, Forefront has made our lives richer and drawn us closer together and given us peace and comfort in the middle of really challenging times. I love the people that I've met. I love the church and um, I'm very grateful. What do you tell somebody if they come up and they say, um, they say, who are you? What do you say? <laughs> your name. After your name, they say, hey, so I heard some like stuff that I'm just not even going to acknowledge. Um, but, but like, after your name, what do you say? They say, hey, so-and-so, who are you? What do you say? Okay. It's tough, right? There's a, there's a bunch of different things we could say. There's a bunch we could say. Um, you know, what do we say? I mean, for me, like, like wait, first of all, who, who likes Game of Thrones? Who likes Game of Thrones? Two weeks, right? Two weeks. So anyway, there's this one storyline in Game of Thrones where it's like um, there's a many-faced God. You guys know, like, there's the many-faced God and the many-faced God. You become a true worshiper of the many-faced God when you have, like, no identity, when you, um, when you can move from relationship to relationship or place to place or person to person. That's when you know you've made it with the many-faced God. Um, that's how I feel like I am. 
Like when somebody says, who are you? I'm like, I'm just going to shift based on like what's going on in my life. That's what I shift my identity. Um, on so- social media, on LinkedIn, I have like a nice headshot and it's like professional speaker and pastor. And like uh, on Facebook, it's like a family, like a family shot. And like I say like nice little things sometimes and show pictures of my family. And then on Twitter, because I don't know as many people on Twitter, I'm a little bit more courageous. Like, so I tell all my political beliefs. If you want to know what I believe politically and socially, follow me on Twitter. That's where I do all that stuff. And isn't that crazy that we're just talking about social media and I have three different identities, right? That's just, that is just social media, right? I'm from Long Island. Is that my identity? Because when I get around my Long Island friends, we all start talking like this. We start talking about what we're going to do and hang out together and do this and that. That's part of me, right? That's who I am. That's part of my identity. Yeah, yeah. That comes out, right? I'll do the rest of the message like this. Um, uh, when I'm, you should hear when I'm around my friends. Uh, so uh, identity, right? What is it? Now, there's an identity out in front, like, like an identity that we have before we even start talking to somebody. Uh, I'm a white man, right? I have a church. I'm a father. I'm a husband. We have these identities that happen before people even say a word to us. Uh, so, you know, I'm, I'm this, right? I'm this ethnicity. I'm a woman. I'm a man. I have this job. I'm gay. I'm straight. I'm, you know, single. Whatever it might be, there's this identity that somebody identifies you with before you even start. That's a tough one, right? Because then you have to overcome a bit of that identity. And, and you're like, well, that's not all who I am. I'm also this, right? But what is it? Who are we? What's our identity? Here's what I think most of us do. And we got to be honest. I think most of us have this headline in our head. It's a headline. And in this headline, we say, I am so-and-so and I am this. And most of the time, it's something uh, where we are, are sinners, where we are broken, where we have been hurt, where we abuse, where we've been abused, where we've lost. Uh, and I'm going to be really honest. You know what mine always says? Mine always says, my name is Jonathan. I'm a failure. And it just says that right across the top. That's my headline. You guys have a headline. That's your identity that you probably wouldn't tell anybody. You have one? I see some people like, I really do. And other people are like, nah. Good for you. Good for you. I think that's a, a headline that we have often. It's this broken headline, right? It's this identity that says this is who we are and it's really, really painful. And I'm associated with this loss or I'm associated with this problem or with this pain and I'll never get away from it. That's who I am, right? That's, that's how we feel. And, and here's the deal, as Christians, uh, uh, big C Christians, not just this church, but our church is culpable as well, we have created identity crises in people, all right? We've created an identity crisis when it comes to the thing, uh, this big headline that we identify with ourselves, because on one hand, uh, we come to church and we, want, uh, we believe that God wants us to flourish, that there's grace, like there's grace enough for the thousands, it's part of a song that we sing, um, there is a God who loves us unconditionally. And there, there's this other part of us, there's this other part that we have that says, but hold on, I'm getting it wrong. I'm messing it up. I'm a sinner. I'm terrible. And you know, I'm just waiting for the other shoe to drop because as soon as the other shoe drops, I'm going somewhere like hell or something like that. And so we, we have this tough time saying, I'm beloved, I'm a child of God. And oh my gosh, but I'm a terrible sinner. And it's really hard. So we're always, there's this, this identity issue. I mean, our scriptures do not help us when it comes to this, do they? They don't. Let me read you some scripture because uh, we're in church, so we read scripture. Um, For the Lord your God is in your midst and he's a jealous God. Lest the anger of the Lord your God be kindled against you and he destroy you from off the face of the earth. Wow. The Lord is a jealous and avenging God. The Lord is avenging and wrathful. The Lord takes vengeance on his adversaries, keeps wrath for his enemies. And so I think a lot of times 
when we think about our identities and we think about our broken parts and we think about our sinful parts, the part where we struggle, a lot of times we have that God in mind, like, I'm not good enough. That, that's the God that's after me. That God's, that, that's how we feel. There's a sense of that, right? But all of a sudden, we go to our New Testament and we hear a different story about God. This message we have heard from him and declare to you, God is light and in, in him there's no darkness at all. Or dear friends, let us love one another for love comes from God. Everyone who loves him is born of God. Who does not love does not know God because God is love. And then in him was life. That light was the light and the darkness could not overcome it. So we get these two very different ideas about who God is, right? Where does our identity lie? Is it in the angry, vengeful God? Is it in this God who is light? That darkness cannot overcome. The struggle is real, my friends. The struggle is real. Uh, do you know that in the time of Jesus, there was a really popular Roman god named Janus? Anybody ever hear the god Janus before? That's where we get the word January from. Exciting. I try to give you a little something you can, you know, take with you. Um, uh, but this god Janus was, a, was a, literally a two-faced god. So this god had two faces. He had a, a, an angry face and a happy face and a face of luck and a face of pain and a face of like jealousy and a face of contentment. And everybody worshiped this god Janus. And so it's no wonder that all throughout our history, there have been these two-faced gods, right, that we've had like Janus. And so of course it comes to us and we have our Old Testament, our New Testament. Of course we feel like there's a two-faced God and we are in an identity crisis. We are sinners, we are loved. Well, let's talk about that a little bit. First of all, we are sinners, okay? Uh, I love this uh, uh, theologian. His name is uh, Quinidius Plantinga, and he says this. He says, sin is any time that we disturb the peace that God intends for God's kingdom. Sin is any time we disturb the peace that God intends for God's kingdom. There's no one here in their right mind that can say that you've never done that. Raise your hand if you have disturbed the peace that God intends for God's kingdom. <laughs> Raise your hand if you're going to go out right after church and disturb <laughs> the peace that God intends for God's kingdom. I will as well. Three things are certain. Death, taxes, and disturbing the peace that God intends for God's kingdom. We're sinners, everyone. We really are. Um, that's the truth of the matter. And, 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 uh, and, and you know what? We're in this together in this series as sinners. And all I want to do today, this is all I want to do, is I want to I celebrate. I just want to celebrate the fact that this sin thing, this, this disturbing the peace, that this is not our true identity. That is not who we are. I want to celebrate the fact that our church, Forefront Church, is in the business of changing people's identities. Not in a creepy way that we're all going to have to do when Trump is elected and so he can move to Canada, but in another way, um, in a good way, in a positive way, in a way that we celebrate, in a way that at the end of Together in This, we're willing to give to see more identities changed. We're willing to see more people come with a new kind of way of living, a new kind of way of saying, this is who I am. Let's celebrate that together. We're a church, Forefront's a church that changes identities. Let's just be reminded. So how? Let's talk about Paul. Paul's talking to the Corinthians and he writes a note to the Corinthians. He's already visited them once. He's gonna visit them again. And he says to the Corinthians, are we beginning to commend ourselves again? Or do we need as some do Letters of recommendation to you or from you. And then he goes on to sort of explain about what letters of recommendation are. How many people have ever written a letter of recommendation before? How many people have asked for a letter of recommendation to be written? Okay, yeah. What do letters of recommendation do? They, you vouch for somebody, 
right? You're saying, this is this person's identity. I can tell you with certainty that I know who this person is and I know that they are this. Or if you're asking somebody to write one for you, you're saying, you know what, this person can vouch for my identity. They know who I am. Um, and so when it comes to that, what we're doing is we're vouching for the identity of somebody else. Now, I had a friend, a really good friend, one of my best friends. It was like, Williams, will you write me a recommendation letter? And I was like, sure. And then I looked at his resume and the whole thing was like a blatant lie. Like all of it, like badly, like to the point where he should have written like, I was a founding member of Nirvana. Like it was that bad. Like it was so terrible. And I was like, bro, I can't write you this letter of recommendation. And he was like, why not? I was like, because it's not you, man. This is not you. And so why am I talking about letters of recommendation? Because what Paul is saying here, this is actually quite literal. He's talking literally about letters of recommendation. Back in those days, you had no social media to stalk somebody and figure out what they were about. So what happened was if you were a preacher of the good news of Jesus Christ, what you would do is you had a letter that you carried around with you. And this letter uh, was usually from the church fathers in Jerusalem. And it said that this person, so-and-so, is a preacher of Jesus and you should trust them. And it was sealed. It even had an official name. It was called a didash. And so you had this didash that, so when you went to a church, people would say, let me see your didash. And you'd pull it out and this is what it would look like so that you were this person that you said you were. This was your identity, right? And then all of a sudden, the people in Corinthians are like, Paul, I don't know if you're a preacher of the gospel. I don't know if you're preaching Jesus. And Paul's like, why? And they're like, because you are distorting the scriptures. You are, you're not preaching the right scriptures. Remember last week, if you were here, when I told you that Paul was a um, racist? Remember that? This week, I'm here to tell you he was also a heretic. Yeah, Paul's a racist heretic. Because they were absolutely right. The Corinthians were absolutely right. Paul was absolutely distorting the scriptures. He was taking them and twisting them and changing them. He would have failed Theology 101 if he was around today. That's what he was doing. Paul wrote this letter to the Romans, and he wrote it while he was in Corinth. So a lot of the Corinthians would have had this letter. And this is what Paul says to the Romans. He says this, If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath, for it is written, it's mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. And then Paul writes this. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Now, any good follower, any good Jesus follower like the Corinthians, uh, their scriptures, remember, they didn't have the New Testament. The New Testament wouldn't come along for about another 300 years. Okay, so all they had were the Old Testament scriptures to go off of. All right, and so as they have the Old Testament scriptures to go off of, they see Paul write this and they go, Paul, that's not true. You are, you're taking scripture and you're using it the wrong way because this is the scripture that Paul's quoting. You ready? It's this, their wine is venom of serpents, the deadly poison of cobras. I have not kept this in reserve and sealed it in my vaults. It is mine to avenge and I will repay. In their due time, their foot will slip and a day of disaster is near and their doom rushes upon them. Wow. I mean, this man just twisted it, right? He just, he just completely twisted it, completely. And he says, you know what? Corinthians, there's a new identity. And the Corinthians go, hold on. 
This is the scripture. We're talking about the scripture here. It's holy. It says what it says right there. It says that God is eventually going to avenge those who can't follow the law. And Paul, my identity is in the law. My identity is in making sure this stuff gets followed. And sure, I'm sexually immoral. And my goodness, the Corinthians were so sexually immoral. They used to have family orgies. Another little thing I'll leave you with. Um, yeah, that's how immoral they were. Um, but, you know, as long as they followed the law, their identity was in the law, right? Paul, our identity is in the law. And even though we trade illegally because it was a giant trade place, and yeah, the Corinthians traded illegal, illegally all the time, we follow the law, and my identity is in the law, so I'm okay. And even though there's a hierarchy here that we've created at this church, they literally had a cool kids club, seriously. Even though that's happening, my identity is still in the law, Paul. And so I'm okay, my identity is in the law. And now you're telling me it's not? Now you're telling me it's something else? And Paul says, you want, uh, so they say, Paul, we want a letter of recommendation. Give us a letter of recommendation. This is what Paul says. And what Paul says is so good. Like, it's so, it's a clickbait is what he does. Because if we were scrolling through Facebook, it would say, the Corinthians said this about Paul. And what he said back will shock and amaze you. Like, that's how good it is. Like, it's so good. And it's a good one, not one that we'd be disappointed by. Um, and he goes like this. He goes, you want a letter of recommendation? You're my letter of recommendation. It's written on our hearts to be known and read by all. And you show that you are a letter from Christ delivered by us, written not with ink, but with the spirit of the living God, not on tablets of stone, but on tablets of human hearts. He goes, you want a recommendation? The way that you act with a new life in Christ, there's your recommendation. Are you disturbing peace in this place or are you bringing peace to this place? Because if you're bringing peace to this place, that's the recommendation. That's it right there. Who are you? That's what he says. And this is why it's such a good shocking thing because he distorts scripture again. Like they say, hey, we need a recommendation because you're distorting scripture. He goes, oh yeah, I'm distorting it again. It's true. Jeremiah, this is the covenant I will make with the people of Israel after that time. I will put my law in their minds and write it on their hearts and I will be their God and they will be my people. He's using scripture that talked about identity being in the law identity being about following a certain set of rules, identity being about eventually having vengeance and he's turning it around, he's flipping it on its head and he says, it's no longer about that. He says, your identity is now about a Jesus Christ doing something in you that is so incredibly important, so incredibly great that that is how people will know that you know me because the stuff you're doing is not disturbing the peace, it's restoring shalom. You are, your identity is in restoring peace. Who are you? I'm Jonathan. What are you? My identity is in restoring peace. I'm here to restore peace. I'm here to restore peace in whatever way I can do it. That is the good news. That means that we go from being sinners to being saints. That's the good news. That's our identity. That's what we get to celebrate. We are messed up saints. We are broken saints. We're saints who sin. Let's keep going. We are saints that don't look like saints. What are we? We're used by God. Our identity says, God, I, I, Jesus is in you. And he says, I'm using you to bring back the peace that you disturb. That's what he's doing. That's the celebration. That's the good news of Christ resurrected. And he says to the Corinthians, you're a mess. And guess what? Christ is still using you to bring the good news to those you've disturbed. That's what Christ is doing with every one of us broken, messed up saints. So why do I want to celebrate? Why do I want to celebrate that? That's such good news. <laughs> It is. I like being a broken, messed up saint. 
I like the fact that our church, we say when you come in through our doors at Forefront, you are not the headline that you thought you were. You are not, I'm so-and-so and I'm broken and I'm not so-and-so and I have a terrible addiction and I'm so-and-so and I'm this sinner that can never get their act together. No, we say, guess what? I'm so-and-so and I'm broken and I have a terrible addiction and I'm a sinner, but I'm growing in it because I'm growing in it because I'm seen as a saint and as a saint who's gonna bring peace to this thing. I'm a saint who's gonna bring peace to this community, peace to this other peop- these other people. I was having a conversation with somebody at our church and they said, I'm so anxious. I'm so anxious because I come in and I don't know if I'm worshiping the right way. And then sometimes I feel like I've got it all wrong. And then I start to doubt who God is and I feel guilty about doubting. And so, uh, and so I start to feel bad. So I start praying, but am I praying right? And I was like, whoa, slow down. I was like, it's almost like you have to make God happy. And I was like, guess what? God doesn't need any of us in order for God to be happy. I was like, God delights in us regardless to the point that our identity is in making peace. You're not so-and-so the anxious, crazy person who doesn't know how to pray and then doubts and doesn't doubt and all the rest, which we all do. You're this person that God loves and is using you to bring peace to this world. That's who you are. Another friend who goes to our church for Lent, he said, uh, you know what I'm gonna do for Lent? He said, I'm gonna... I'm gonna overcome this addiction. I've had this addiction for a long time. And it's an addiction that my friend has had for years. And he told me all about it and he struggled with it. And I said, why are you gonna do that? And he goes, listen, with this addiction, I know what I do. I know that I'm not doing the right thing. I know that it hurts me. I know that it hurts other people. But he said, you know what? I come into this church and it's because of the love that I know that I have. It's because of the support that I know that I have. It's because I know I'm a saint. And he didn't say that. I'm just throwing it in there. Because I know I'm a saint that I actually want to get better. I actually want to overcome this. I actually want to grow. I actually want to do better. It's not like, oh no, get rid of this addiction or else. It's like, oh my gosh, I'm a saint that God uses. I want to get rid of this. I want to grow. And so for all of Lent, him and I would talk and it was a rocky road, but he's growing. He's overcoming that addiction because he is a saint who is broken and who is beat up and who God uses to bring good news and peace to this place. There are people here at our church that uh, they walk through these doors and they haven't been touched all week. They haven't been touched by anybody. I have two kids who hang on me nonstop and they haven't been touched. And people at our church, our church, what we do is we gather around people like this and we pray and we hug and we pat on the shoulder and we say, I see you. You're a human being. You are a saint and you are beloved by God, and you are used to bring peace to this place. Who are you? What's your identity? I am used to bring peace to this place. I am love. Uh, I'm a mess. Who, a lot of you who know me here, what do you know? You know that I'm a mess. Yeah, I, uh, I'll be the first to admit it. You just raised your hand. You're like, yep. Was it, <laughs> did you do that, Robbie? Oh, forget it. <laughs> um, so I was like, man. Um, <laughs> No, I am. I'm a terrible mess. You know what I love about this church? I love about the fact that even when my headline is reading, Williams is a failure and I'm a terrible mess and I'm doing stupid things and I'm making bad decisions, that people in this church, at this church, are like, Williams, get it together. You are beloved. You are a saint. You are bringing peace to people through this church. We are helping you bring peace to people through this church. Let's do it together. We are broken vessels we are broken saints. We are saints who sin, saints who don't look like saints. And God is using every one of us to bring peace to this place every single time. Scripture is crazy. 
And somebody else came up to me and they were like, the scripture, what do we do with the Old Testament looking this way? And what do we do with the New Testament looking this way? And then I was like, and what do we do with Paul being a heretic and just messing it all up? And they were like, thanks a lot. And I was like, no, no. And that's the beauty of this church. The beauty of this church is that we don't have to have the right set of prepositions. We don't have to have it all figured out. We can be broken people who are reading scripture together, growing together, doing it all together because our identity is not a messing something up. Our identity is in the fact that God loves us so much that there is Jesus Christ in us who allows us to restore shalom. That is who we are. That is our church. That's why we're doing together in this. We have a hundred something stories in this room. There's gonna be a thousand more. I can't wait to hear about how we're all broken saints, all beat up, looking terrible, and yet doing amazing things in the city because our identity is in Jesus. Amen? Yeah. So there's this author I really like. Her name's Nadia Boltz-Weber. And she says this, and this to me is like our church. It's like a prayer. If you want to close your eyes while I read it, you can. It could be our prayer. And she says this. She says, this is it. This is our life. This is the life we get here on earth. And we get to give away what we receive and we get to believe in each other and we get to forgive and then we get to be forgiven and we get to love imperfectly. And we really never know what effect it has on any of us for years to come, but all of it, every single part of it in Jesus Christ is completely and utterly worth it. Amen. That's it. So here's what's gonna happen. I wanna tell you guys another really good story. I wanna tell you a really good story about really incredible friends, Pierre and Angela. I wanna tell you a story about how Pierre and Angela's lives were changed by our church. And while this story is going on, I'm gonna straight up ask you to give. I'm gonna ask you to give to this church because this church matters. Because this church is a church for all broken people to come in and know that they are loved and that their goal is, is not to be identified as the sinner that breaks shalom, but the person who is loved that creates it. And the offering basket's gonna be passed and you could give right now. You also have a pledge card in your Together in this pamphlet. You could fill out a pledge that says, I'm willing to give. I don't have any cash in my pocket right now, but I'll do it later. And you do that or after service you can give but let's continue today to celebrate. Let's continue to celebrate the fact that there are people here, broken people who fall short every single day who are loved by God. And God says, I see you. I see you and I know that you're gonna bring peace to this place in ways that you can't begin to imagine.